You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast with your hosts, Nate, Micah, and Andy. What's going on, man? Nothing. <laughs> What's up with you fellas today? Not a lot, man. Just enjoying this beautiful day that we're having, really. It was the kind one, of... One day hasn't rained in the last how many? How many? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been, what was it, 75 today? Cloudy, a little overcast. It was just a good day. We're recording this show on July 12th. It'll come out about a week from today. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous day, yeah. And for especially for July, yeah, shit. for the middle of July, I'll take it. Yeah, um, it's one of them deals where you'll take what you can get in the middle of the summer. No kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the case all the time. I think you just you know, kind of take what you get. I mean, I, I, I guess if you're <laughs> technically correct with the weather, there's nothing you can do about it but pitch, anyways. That's true. You That's just got to take what you got. Uh, that's a good way to live your life, Andy. Good like point. You just take what you roll can get. with it, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, today's show is going to be lots of fun for the listener. Um, a little out of season for the norm, I feel like. I mean, especially in season, but out of season. It, it's yes. always in it's, season. It's, yeah, mean, not every hunt's a whatever hunt. Whatever but, hunt, but, but whatever hunt is a coyote hunt. Is a coyote yeah, hunt. <laughs> yeah. But a little little spring summer coyote action. Just yeah. talking about the. I don't know. It's for us. We started doing a little more and kind of. Scratches the itch of that, like uh, John mentions, uh, you know, scratches that itch throughout the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. John Collins is the one we're having on. Mentioned our guest. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah. (laughs) Hugh, I mean, get on YouTube, check out his stuff. I mean, he's posting videos all the time. Kills a lot of coyotes all year round. Yep. Yeah. So we got John come on and basically talk about some summer coyote hunting. Yep. Um, We're getting into some details about what he does in the summer. And then we kind of get into details of other stuff that really doesn't have to necessarily do with the summer. I don't even know if the, these holes are so big. Can you even call them rabbit holes? I mean, 
There's some like so. There's some coyote den holes we go down. <laughs> it's coyote holes. The <laughs> rabbit holes that were exploded with tannerite. They're big, <laughs> but I feel it's all still relevant. We got to talk about little guns, little. It matters. Little, yeah, everything. Yeah. A little bit. Anything involving the hunting process. I feel like we talked about. Yeah, yeah. And John was gracious enough to come on. We will give you a disclaimer. Um, like we mentioned at the beginning of the recording with John, we live out in the country. He lives out in the country. We both have to uh, deal with what internet we are provided. Mm-hmm. If we, you're either, I think he's got satellite internet. I think so, and it's been storming all day there, yeah. he said, off and on. And this is actually, we're recording this a week later than we were going to because of weather. So um, there's a few times, I'm going to try my best in editing to help it, but there's a few times it, it doesn't go so well. So you'll just have to bear with us on that. Otherwise, you can still pretty get much get everything John talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just is what it is. When you're podcasting states away from each other, sometimes things just don't go great. Um, although, they went just fine. Deal the cards they're dealt. So yeah. before we get in a, into, de, to, into, my God, today's show, let's uh, hit one sponsor, uh, partner for today. Uh, today's show's partner is Cuddyback. Cuddyback Digital. Um, obviously they're the makers of the Cuddy link system, which we are all using. Yep. Uh, y'all have probably heard us over the last few shows talk about setting up, especially myself and Micah being new Cuddy link users this year, um, learning the process, setting that up. Um, and it's going really good so far. I really enjoy it. I get pictures every eight hours Yeah, sent to my phone. Yeah. I've got one, I've got one little, yeah, it's nice, dude. We, and like we talked about on last show, it's just nice because you, you don't like fly through the photos mm-hmm. when you like you do when you go and pull your cards. Yeah, um, I do have one little thing I need to call or figure out what's going on. Some of the changes I made have been pending for like six, seven days now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if something's up or what I need to do. But yeah. um, they're still taking pictures. So that's all I really care about. And that's right. the good part about Cuddy yeah. Link. You can call. You can get answers. They have great customer support. Oh yeah, they've got customer support, Facebook groups. You can figure out what's going on, and people will help you do it. So. Yep. Uh, check them out, uh, Cuddyback Digital. If you are going to buy some stuff um, and you want to use the code MOWW21 at checkout, you get 10% off your, your purchase. Uh, it can help you save some money when you're buying, a, a, especially multiple cameras too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, the thing about the Cuddy Link system, it doesn't work if you just buy one camera. Yeah, you have to have at least two. Well, Unless you link, just, the camera works, the, cut, the, the camera would system. work, but the link system wouldn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. So check them out. Um, and before we get into today's show, you guys got anything else you want to discuss? I'm ready. I'm ready to get started on the show. I'm gonna tell you this though. We have some listeners that have really been requesting Andy to give dad jokes out, and I think you need to do one at the intro and not in the exit. Oh, that's pressure. You just sprung this on me, so I'm not prepared. Okay, I'll give you a chance in the intro, in the exit because I've I've gotten like five requests this week for Andy's dad jokes to keep coming. <laughs> Why do you I guys mean, encourage it? <laughs> and and like his last last week's dad joke was just hot garbage. It was terrible. Yeah, just hot garbage. So you got some work to do between now and the exit of this show to get that's this ridiculous. dad joke going. That's ridiculous. <laughs> It's your own fault. You started it. You've been a great dad joke maker, and now people want it. They just, and, you know, they didn't have you for a while. You were busy. You had stuff going on. You came back. You gave, you gave a great dad joke. 
and now they expect you to deliver every week. Well, that's just pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, well, you can handle it. Yeah. All right. Enjoy the show, everybody. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. All right, today we got a fun show. Uh, we got the guys in the house, like we talked about in the intro, and we are with John Collins of Tooth and Claw TV. John, what's going on, man? Not much, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Um, so, before we get into this, might, there might be some people out there listening to us that don't know what it is that uh, you you do. So, introduce yourself. Uh, tell us about what it is you do, what you do for a living, and um, since you're one of our guests that isn't necessarily from Missouri, we'll just have you tell us a generic. What's your favorite thing about being out in the outdoors? Sure. Like, like I said, my name is John Collins. I'm born and raised in central Kentucky. Uh, I've worked in the outdoor industry for the last eight years. Um, part of two TV shows. One is Wired Outdoors, which is your general type hunting show. Hunting everything from turkeys to elk out west. Just pretty much anything big game general hunting wise and then i'm also the host of tooth and claw tv which is a 100 percent predator hunting show yep. um kill a lot of coyotes we'll kill a few bobcats throughout the year maybe maybe even a black bear or two just pretty much anything that'll bite you or scratch you <laughs> tooth and claw tv and go. uh far as my favorite thing about outdoors is is being outside you know uh I'm not very good about keep being cooped up in the house. So I love pretty much every aspect of it, whether it's just uh, hunting, hiking, camping, whatever, you know, I'm going to be outside. I don't care if it's raining, snowing, blistering heat, freezing temps. I'm going to be outside. I yeah. love being outside. Well, and we'll just give the listener a bit of a, uh, just in case. Um, we had some issues getting this show done because uh, we live in the sticks and I'm guessing because of the issues we had with internet last week, you live in the sticks too. I definitely live in the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so if the listener hears any lags or anything with the audio, we're going to do our best to make it happen today. But when you're talking to a, a friend that is, I don't know, probably 10 hours away drive time at least, stuff yeah. like this happens. Well, yeah. and then we've been having pretty shoddy weather both back in, you know, where he's at and where we're at, so – dealing with the conditions and we're gonna make the best of it yep yeah we'll get we'll get through it yep we'll do it um and wouldn't you know it it's crazy how this worked out that we're gonna talk about coyote hunting today oh, well darn <laughs> it's almost like we did our homework and and yeah, know pl- what john does know, know who to talk to yeah right. might have planned this out <laughs> <laughs> i think i've seen it seen an episode or two or most of them yeah yeah definitely <laughs> i really appreciate that guys it means a lot more than you know appreciate you guys watching uh, yeah absolutely yeah, we we enjoy watching dogs die and uh, coyotes to the listeners, yeah, not yeah. dogs. I just watched that. I rewatched that one where you had five come in on you. You yeah. were able to get two, and the oh. one, yeah, and the one, one, you got one right and, there, and one yeah. died in the creek. But that was just insane. Yeah, that was uh, that definitely a memorable stand. I remember we called that the five. I should have killed at least three of those things. But hey, <laughs> I about two of them, but. Whenever something like that happens, it takes you a minute just to figure out what is happening. It seems like. Oh man, that's the thing. Whenever you call in multiples like that, when the dust when the dust settles, I want to have multiples laying on the ground. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll actually circle back around to that in a few in a little while once we get into the meat of this this topic because that's a good question I just thought of. But uh, go ahead. I was gonna say you had a recent episode. How close was that coyote you actually shot in that one? I don't know how he had to be. I mean, ten yards if that. He was sitting there barking at you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. We've killed. I don't know for sure about that one. I mean, it was probably within 25 steps. We've killed several single-digit steps, nine steps, six steps. He was, he was close. I knew that. Yeah. Well, We like having those. Absolutely. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Makes the shot a lot easier. Yeah, we've had one of those, I guess, during our tournaments, too. Yeah, we've only had one where we could actually, if we had a shotgun with us, we could have used a shotgun. Other than that, right. they've always been out a little further away. So. Well, I'll tell you what, if I'm deadly under 30 yards. <laughs> money. There you go. I'd like to say there the same. Go. I'd like to say the same thing, but the one time I had one within arm's reach, my gun didn't work and I couldn't shoot. Yeah, that's what we all say. <laughs> uh, so, um, all right, today we're going to actually talk about. You know, we're sitting here in in uh, mid July, and we're talking about coyote hunting. And you know, there might be some listeners out there listening. And they're like, "Why are you talking about hunting coyotes in the middle of the summer?" Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about is hunting coyotes it's kind of an uncommon thing around here because we live in a lot of crop areas so for all of our friends i mean they really don't do it and this is probably the first year i'd say that we've done it you know more often um than not i guess so usually well, it's always as soon as crops come out then you, you know it starts getting a little colder but uh through watching some of john your stuff and you know a few other things out there we liked what we started to see in here. They were a little more active, a little more vocal, I feel like, in the in the spring yeah. and summer. So Yeah. You know, you get a lot of people that, that like to hunt coyotes that when spring hits, that's that. Right. They're done. Um, right. And uh, ain't nothing wrong with that. But, at, you know, as we've gotten, gotten more into the, I guess you'd say, the outdoor industry and we've paid attention to more people and we've gotten more involved in things, I'd say – the three of us here, we've always been deer hunters. We've always went out west for chasing elk. We we love bow hunting. But the thing that for us three that is kind of um, scaled up and what we really like doing is probably coyote hunting over anything else. Um, I yeah, mean, I'm there. Mm-hmm. We've always really turkey hunted, but um, coyote hunting is really the thing that we've all gotten a lot more serious about. We started spending quite a bit of our <laughs> our family's money on things that we shouldn't have been spending. <laughs> Well, that's the thing about, uh, especially going into late spring in the summer, you know, there's no other seasons in yeah. at the tail end of, uh, maybe most of your turkey seasons are out. You know, if you're an outdoorsman that loves to hunt, you know, coyote, coyotes are about the only thing that's in season. Almost every single state has a year round coyote season. There is some, some states that season does go out for a certain period of time, but for the most part, it's, uh, 365 days a year. So, you know, if you, uh, you know, I'm not much of a fisherman. I know a lot of people like to fish in the summer, but, you know, I like to fish, but right. I definitely don't call myself a fisherman. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to face There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There you and go. I would think doing it in that springtime, like when the fall or whenever the fawns are dropping and stuff, I would think that would help as far as fawn recruitment too. If you're oh, going, okay. if you're going into, you know, where you're hunting deer and stuff and you're pushing, at least you're pushing those coyotes out for a few weeks i would you know but I mean, it definitely it definitely don't hurt you know right, what i mean right. uh, you know them, when fawns are hitting the ground you baby rabbits are being born all over the place turkey poats are hatching out you know every one of those that a coyote trips over 
it's gonna eat it. Yeah. You know, they don't, you know, trip over a little baby rabbit. Go, Ugh, I don't eat that thing. <laughs> they're gonna, that's what they do. They're out there to to kill stuff, eat it, and make babies. That's what coyotes do throughout the year. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and you might have kind of already mentioned it, but that was kind of the first question we were gonna ask is comparing uh, summer hunting summer coyotes to winter coyotes. What I'm sure there's things you enjoy about hunting winter coyotes over summer, but what are some of the things you like better about hunting coyotes in the summer? I definitely, I definitely consider myself a cold weather coyote hunter. I definitely like, say, October through mid February is my favorite time yeah. period to hunt. Sure. Now I hunt them every month of the year, but that's what I kind of live for is that. <laughs> Late September, first October. First October, what I really say kicks off my, you know, my prime time coyote hunting. Yeah. And all the way through January, and sometimes the calling can be really good through February as well. Uh, but one of the things I would say that I do really enjoy about summertime calling, late spring summertime calling, is I think the coyotes call easier. Um, you know, I one Dang. of the biggest differences in calling from summer summer months spring and summer months to your fall and winter months is i never use a prey distress sound i'm 100 percent coyote vocals through the summer months and uh, you know it's the denning season for coyotes they're uh they're extremely territorial uh during those months uh coyotes are a very paternal animal you know they take care of their young um uh, so when you start throwing out howls close to their bedroom mm-hmm. and then mixing some of those pup sounds. They just can't stand it. If they're there, they're coming. Yeah. You just kind of burst my bubble. I'm not going to lie. I thought yeah. I was, I thought I was just getting better at calling coyotes. So I was doing <laughs> I, I, as soon as he started saying that, I don't know if you saw my pen click yeah. and I started writing down, well, your dumb ass keeps using rabbit in distress. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I save, I save all those prey distress sounds. I do never, you'll never hear me run a prey distress sound. I mean, I shouldn't say never. Every once in a while, I might pull one out just to maybe try to break a stubborn coyote. Yeah. But I'm 99.9% using uh, coyote vocals through, say, from uh, late March yeah, all the way through September. And I tell you what, there's nothing for me. I, like I said, we've, I've done a lot more this year than I ever have before, but nothing gets my adrenaline going more of that coyote sitting out there challenge barking you back. And I mean, just mm-hmm. sitting there barking and all of a sudden here he comes like a rocket. I mean, that to me, that's what does that's it right. for me. It keeps me coming back is that one, that response and two, just watching him come as hard as he possibly can. And he is pissed off. And that just, I don't know, yeah. that, that that gets my. That's, you're, that's when you're usually going to hear your vocal responses is through these months, just yeah. because of that territorial aspect. And plus the, the pups, especially starting now, the pups are about, I'd say across the U.S. on average, are probably about like what I would say, to put it, beagle size. Everybody yeah. knows what a beagle dog, you know, about that size is what your pups are starting to be about getting close to, uh, and they're starting to get very vocal. Right now, if you go out and get close to a den site where, where some pups are hanging out and you let up a few big long howls, that, they'll probably answer you back, the pups will. Yeah. So let's let's start with that. Uh, let's start at the beginning of April. I mean, I know you said the end of March, but for ease of use, we'll start at the beginning of April. Do you kind of change things on the way you're calling from the beginning of April through, let's say, the beginning of September? Um, you know, based on 
you know, age of pups and just the stage of the summer. Um, so like, what are you doing a lot of times at the beginning of April? Um, and then we'll just kind of move on from there. Well, one thing just in general to be, in my opinion, to be a successful coyote caller throughout the years, you have to constantly, um, revamp or continually evolve your calling. Um, sometime from month to month, sometime from week to week, and sometime even from day to day. And like I said, usually after, after February, you won't hear me run a prey distress sound uh, till October. Uh, now starting out, and I'll go ahead and tell you this too right up front, I don't hunt a lot of March just okay. because I kind of need a break. The coyotes <laughs> need a break. You know, I've hunted a lot. I've killed a lot of coyotes by that time of the year. There's been a lot of coyotes killed by other people. So yeah. in my part of the country, pickings are starting to get pretty slim. And when April rolls around, I do a lot of turkey hunting. I travel the country for turkey hunting. Uh, so usually May is when I really get started back up. Um, I talked about howls and stuff like that. I will be running. I'm usually running kind of like non-aggressive female type howls all the way through the summer. Might even use the same set of howls all the way through the summer in that late spring. But what will change is my different pup sounds. Mm. In May, I'm usually running very, uh, the sounds I'm using are small puppy sounds. Puppy whines, oh, cries, squeaks. like hungry, yeah. like a, yes, very small. Just like everybody's been around a litter of puppies, uh -huh. uh, domestic dogs, and you hear them whining and crying and hungry. That's the type of sounds I'm using. And then throughout the summer, I'm just constantly progressing up to an older stage of coyotes. Uh, you know, it'll go into more like pup distress, what I would call pup distress sounds, like a pup getting hurt. That's uh, a little bit older and mm -hmm. that all the way through. Uh, and I can even give you, you know, I don't know what kind of calls you guys run, what brand and stuff, but I could even give you examples of, of sound files. Mm -hmm. Like uh, in, in May, I might be running, say, like uh, Canine Puppies 2 from Fox Pro. It's actually a domestic set of uh, puppies, but it sounds like coyote pups. Yeah. And then from that point all the way through, say, this time period, I'll be running some sounds called Ten Town Pups. And Coyote Pup three one four, which is uh, I don't know how many weeks old they are, but it's it's Coyote pups that are starting to, to venture around a little bit, um, and then say at the end of July all the way through August and September, I'm running sounds such as Pup Distress number three, which has probably killed more coyotes than any sound ever recorded in history, <laughs> and Pup screams, Pup Distress number two, Coyote death cry. Those type of sounds, which is a little bit more excitable yeah. uh, type pup distresses and a little bit older pup, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Basically, just took my next question. I was getting ready to ask what your top five sounds were. If you could have five sounds on your call to use. <laughs> which you gave uh, us more than that. I think you just gave us more than that. But it sounds... oh, I, Yeah, I could go on, especially, with, you know, with Fox Pro sounds. I mean, I've killed coyotes with dozens upon dozens upon dozens of Fox Pro sound files. I mean, it's just, uh, and you know, just like this time of year, like if I, if I actually I am going tomorrow morning, there you kill go. four last week, you know, just, you know, we, I think we made six stands, kill four coyotes. Heck yeah. But uh, tomorrow morning, I'll be going. I'll start my standoff with uh, either uh, female deep house or female sore house. A lot of times this time of year, I'm running female deep house and it's got two distinctive uh, house that start that sequence off. It's two big old long, woo. Mm -hmm. and, and it kind of pauses and then goes into some other howls and barks what i'll do is after those first two howls i'll pause pause it 
just for like 30 seconds just to see if something will answer those two big long halves. Mm-hmm. Nothing, if nothing answers, I'll go ahead and finish the sequence out. If something does answer, I'll immediately unmute it and try to cut them off with the rest of it because it just it runs all over me. It makes them oh, pieces yeah. of them no end for some reason. Then I'll wait about a minute, minute and a half, and I'm going to start playing Coyote Pup 314. I'll run that out for four to six minutes, fluctuate my volume. If nothing shows up, I'll start running a, a burst of uh, Coyote Growls and a new sound that they've got actually come out last September with. It's called HP Coyote Pup. I've been running that all this past week. We killed all four coyotes. We killed off that sound. Nice. And so that's going to be my sequence huh. uh, tomorrow morning when I go. Are, well, those, are those videos out from next week? You're still working on them? Uh, started editing the first one uh, today, actually. So awesome. we'll have maybe Thursday afternoon. Well, I'll be watching for them. Hearing that makes me happy because I run a Fox Pro. Uh, Andy, I'm you, the odd man out. Can you get. You can't put Fox I can't Pro put, on your Lucky Duck. I can't put Fox Pros. I run a Lucky Duck. I can't put those sounds on Lucky Duck, I don't think. So I'm excited because I'm about to get – I mean, I've probably got some of those sounds on my call. Um, now, the the call I bought, which actually this is a good question to ask him. Mm-hmm. The call I ended up buying, I wished I would have gotten a different one now that I got it, but I've got the Shockwave. Right. Um, yeah. And I, li- great. I, I like it, but part of me wishes I would have – bumped up to the uh is it the x2 or uh, uh, they've got 24. the 2x series out they got the x24 we got the x2s and the x wave but that shockwave is a nice unit i've killed truck loads <laughs> yeah shockwave. i do like yeah. it it just seems like to me about my only complaint about it and there's really not many of them because it's easy for me to put sounds on it uh i figured that out in five seconds i can organize them the way i want them um feels like to me it does use a lot of batteries. I mean, you got 10 AA's inside the unit and then I think three on the remote. It feels like to me that if we go hunting for a day and then it sits for, let's say, a couple weeks and then I bust it back out, the speaker don't sound real great for a while and it's almost because the batteries are low. My batteries are low. And uh, I think what I need to do is just go ahead and buy that rechargeable pack that you can buy yep. for the, yep. the Fox Pro. But it's could be a tight ass well, and buy more thing, batteries. If you, did, if, you did get a, well, if you did get a X series, they actually come with a free lithium battery pack. Okay, that's the, nice. With the copper. It's like I'm running an X24. Um, I think I've killed. I, I can't keep. I'm not too good about keeping up how many coyotes I've killed. <laughs> I think I was in. I haven't charged that call since mid-June. Really? Wow. That's awesome. I need to buy that pack. Because, I mean, I bet I've dropped. Because I, I try to get nicer batteries, and I think I run, like, Energizer Maxes, and, you know, they're alkaline still, but yeah, they're, you know, as as expensive as it gets. And, man, I I bet I've dropped a decent amount of money just on putting I, new batteries in. You know, every time I go hunting, basically, I refresh it. A, a rechargeable lithium. You'll see a, yeah. a, a difference in sound quality for sure. Nice. Yeah. All right, I have a question that's set a little debate. It's not really a bad debate, but me and, me and my cousin were hunting last night. Uh, we mm. ended up killing one. It was, it was kind of misting and whatnot, and we called one in. We had a perfect little cover. But anyway, Kyle was coming in to, I, I think we are playing Pup in Distress, or it was a serenade, one of the two. He says shut the call off when the coyote's running in. I said let it keep playing. It's already got his attention. What would what do you do in those circumstances? I mean, I'm talking hard charging coyote. You got the call playing. 
I just bumped the volume down. The closer you got, the the I just bumped the volume down. Would you turn it off or would you let it play? Well, there's probably probably both of you are right. Neither one of you are wrong. You know, y'all killed the coyote, right? We did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all must have done the right thing. You know, <laughs> you know whether you stopped it or kept it going, as long as y'all got it killed, it don't matter. Now, me personally, if I've got a coyote coming. Usually when you'll hear me, I will fluctuate volume like you're talking about, like ramping it down, you know, mm-hmm. making it quieter. Usually when I shut the call off, mute it or whatever, so to speak, that's when I'm wanting that coyote to stop or I'm wanting to slow. If it's coming down, coming in real hard like you're talking about, an yeah. absolute barn burner, mm-hmm. and I want that coyote to slow down, I mean, he's already, he's already committed, so I'll go ahead and mute it. Okay. You know, just stop the sound. Now, you can turn it down, but that coyote's probably already locked in and coming right, you know, coming all the way to the call. Usually, I like great. I like really solid shot opportunities. So I want my coyotes to stop for me. Yeah. I will shoot some running coyotes and stuff like that, but I want a solid shot opportunity. So when you like when you guys watch my videos, you'll notice when them coyotes are coming in, you'll hear me. The sound will just shut off. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when the sound shuts off, a coyote will stop and right. look for the sound. But if not, after I've muted it that's when you'll hear me whoop or mm-hmm. let out a big long house. My mouth try to get that coyote stopped. So changed. you hear me muting it. That's when I'm ready to shoot that thing. There you go. Makes sense. One thing that, I mean, me and Andy and Micah, we all, and like Austin, mm-hmm. Russell, all of us buddies that hunt the, the coyotes together. We always are talking about the calls that are working. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we like to do tournaments. Just, we don't care. I mean, we want to win, but we enjoy the tournament right. setup because you it's get to being hunt out all about day. during the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll talk back and forth about what's working, what's not working. And, of course, most of those tournaments are always in the winter. But we're, we're talking now a lot about what's working in the summertime. And me and – I think you and me try to – we try to, like, paint a picture when we're calling a coyote. Right. And I don't know. Sometimes, if it feels like to me, I'm doing more harm than good. You know, I'll – uh Let's just say, for instance, I'm on a stand, uh, and I'll do a uh, a mom pup together, and mm-hmm. then I'll do um, a little bit of a skirmish, and then I'll do a pup in distress. Right? Do you try to do you try to paint a picture? I guess you'd call it, or do you just start saying, "Okay, that didn't work." Um, after however long you let it sit, and I'm gonna go to this now. How do you kind of do your calling sequences? Well, yes and no. I mean, um, I'm definitely painting that picture just like I talked told you guys just seconds ago or minutes ago. You know, if I'm going tomorrow morning, I'm going to start to sand off with some house. When you start that sound off with some house, that automatically put that automatically. Say you're hunting a pasture field, mm-hmm. okay, or a crop field, or you know, you guys say you're you know in crop country. If you have on that area, that automatically places a coyote in that field, right? Say you got a coyote off in the distance in the thicket. You have his ears perk up. He knows another coyote's out there. Well, then after you get done with your howling sequence, you decide to go into, uh, like I said, I'll start out with Coyote Pup 314. That automatically puts a group of puppies mm-hmm. with that coyote that's distressed a little bit. So you already paint a picture. See what right. I'm saying? Yeah. But you, and it's kind of one of those things that, you know, that coyote might, might run out to those house. 
You know, yeah. he might just come to the house. If you don't come to the house, he might come to the Coyote Pup 314. Uh, so, yeah, and that's another thing. He's talking about talking about what works. When I get into a groove of a sound that's working or a sequence that's working, I'm going to run that sound and sequence till it stops working. Um, one thing I've tried to tell, you know, I do some seminars throughout the year. One of the, one of the, the sections of my seminars is talking about keeping a calendar. Back when I was a young caller, um, you know, I'd have good spurts and then I'd have dry spells and I'd, you know, nobody wants those dry stands. I mean, they no. make, they can make you a better caller and better hunter, uh, but you want to be as efficient as you can. So I started at one time, I said, I'm going to start writing down um, all my sequences, ones that works and ones that don't work. So I started keeping a calendar just, you know, January through December. So if I went calling tomorrow on July 13th and I called a coyote up, I'm going to write down on July 13th yeah. on that calendar what, sounds i used and what that coyote actually come out to what time of the sequence if it was 11 minute mark or whatever um not just if i killed that coyote if i called that coyote in you know i called that coyote to those sounds what'll what'll happen is if you keep a calendar for a couple years and go january through december writing that stuff down you say you keep the calendar for about three years you'll start noticing a correlation you'll say well these rabbit sounds quit working sometime towards the end of February, but this other sequence started working in March. Yeah. I run that sequence all the way through early May, but then it quit working and I started calling stuff to this. And then y'all you know, I don't keep it no more because I kind of already, I got it instilled yeah. in my brain what works throughout the year. But, uh, you know, you also got those backup plans and backup sequences <laughs> that, you know, if yeah. this ain't working, it's right here going to kill them. You know what right. I mean? So that's probably yeah, something I mean, we ought to do a better job of painting a picture. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, cause we, I would say we're not, we're not John Collins, you know, we're, we're <laughs> no. still learning our way and, you know, getting better and better. We, we feel like we are. And, uh, we probably ought to write down what works and, yeah. you know, we'll talk back and forth about what works, but yeah. man, you know. it's smart. It's a smart thing to do. And it takes a lot of on down the road. It's going to take a lot of guesswork out, you know, how we do our show tooth and claw TV is a lot different than everybody else's. If you watch till the end, we have a stand breakdown. Stand we'll tell you yep. exactly what we use to call those coyotes in. And just like right now, here it is July. We're going to be showing you hunts throughout the next few weeks from late June all the way through July. You're not watching. Uh oh. Well, we made it. It's happening right now. Oh, You'll have to run those your coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. We lost you again, but that was only for about 10 seconds. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, and another thing that, and that's, I do like your show because of that stand break, yep. breakdown is you tell us sounds, the wind direction, you kind of give us a paint, paint a picture to us of a setup. And that, yeah. as a hunter, I feel like that's helped me put two and two together, talk about the different setups and scenarios. Right. And just like I said, if, if you hear me say, if you go watch past episodes, I say, here, here we are late December hunting and I, we use this, this, and this to kill this coyote. You don't want to go out in mid-July and try to run that <laughs> sequence to a coyote. You need to watch our July hunts and run the sequences I'm talking about then and try to kill coyotes now. Yeah. Is there a difference as far as how how much time you're putting into a stand as far as your winter or your summer? Are you sitting longer or yeah. shorter? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I, I leave a lot of coyotes in the field, I'm sure, uh, getting up too early. Uh, 
summertime is a time I will call a little bit longer of a stand. Uh, I need to be sitting there for about 20 minutes. But I'd say my average stand all the way year-round is probably 12 to 15 minutes. But you do need to be making a longer stand in the summer for sure. Um, so I'm running a 20, 20-ish minute stand through the summer months. Uh, when it comes to the fall months, say October through November, and I'm hunting those yearling coyotes, those young and dumb ones. Yeah. Usually, most of the time when I set up on spots, I have a pretty good idea where I think coyotes are at. Mm-hmm. And so during that time frame, man, I'm making like a ten or twelve minute stand. They don't show up quick. I'm going on somewhere else. Yeah. I've got a lot of ground to hunt, so it's kind of a numbers game. So I'll just go if they ain't there. When I think they should, I'll get up and go somewhere else. I'll be like that all the way then start December, late November through early. January, I'm making about a 15, 16, 17 minute stand. And then when it comes mid January through February, when it's kind of breeding season, that's probably when I'm making my longest stands. I'm making about a 25 minute stand. Okay. Yeah. And you say you got a lot of ground to cover. As far, how far away do you try to be from each stand? Are you moving 100 yards, 1,000 yards, a mile? Or is it, it probably varies just on what you actually have access to i'm sure it, it definitely depends on a lot of factors one of the big factors two two of the biggest factors will be how your ground lays and how your mm-hmm. sound carries in, a, in that type of country and the second thing will be your coyote density yeah you know if i'm if i'm uh in a heavy coyote density area my stands are closer together that makes any sense right yeah uh, if i'm in a lower density area my my stands are a lot farther apart they could be miles apart mm-hmm. yeah if it's if it's real dense i mean i might call if i'm in a 50 60 acre pasture field i might make a stand on one end and don't call nothing up i might go to the other end of that 60 acres and call it and kill cows yeah and especially if it was like a we had a, a hunt oh what was it two years ago last winter or something i know we're supposed to be talking about summer stuff but we uh it was really windy the day we were hunting and i'm saying 20 mile an hour somewhere in there it was mm-hmm. and we had one ditch on one side of a field 80 yards away another ditch both lined with timber and we hunted that one ditch on let's say the east side and then got up hopped over to the west ditch hunted it and pulled a coyote out and shot her and i i'm not sure you know could they hear the the sounds on the other side or you know what but it i tell you two there's probably two things right there and that's another thing it it does depend on your weather whether how close your stands are going to be like you said high high winds they you know everybody knows a coke can hear a field mouse from you know several yards away but you know they can also be with a 30 mile an hour wind blowing in their ears they can't hear nothing so True. it could have been it could have been the wind that messed you guys up on that, and you, then you moved and called that coyote up. The other thing it could have been is one of those dish lines could have been the edge of the boundary of that coyote. A lot of times coyotes won't cross over into another boundary, and a lot of times that's what it is: is a fence row, ditch line, roadway, ravine, holler. You know who knows what it is, but right. a lot of times you, I've noticed that a lot that coyotes won't cross a certain ditch like you're talking about. Yeah, you don't side with them. They come burning in, and you shoot them at thirty yards. Yeah. From um, since we really got hard into it, I think the one thing that I've questioned myself most on, I think Andy, you're probably in that same boat. Um, 
Mike doesn't do a whole lot of calling just because I do kill him. What I question myself on is the length of time I run sounds and then the length of time I wait in between them. Hmm. When yeah. I first started calling, I ran sounds longer. And then I, I don't know how long I'd wait, you know, maybe about the same amount of time I ran the sound. What I'm doing now, and tell me what you think as far as for the summertime, and Andy, you might be doing it the same way. I won't run a sound much longer than, let's say, a minute tops. And then I'll shut it off for, you know, three minutes, four minutes. I don't know, just when I feel like doing it again. Are you changing your distances between calling sequences and the length of the calling sequence in the summer? Um, or do you pretty much try to do the same stuff throughout the year usually like i was talking about the sequences like if i like i was talking about earlier if i have a sequence that's working i'm gonna just duplicate that sequence over and over if it's working okay whether it be spacing my sounds out and running shorter burst or or finding a particular sound and letting it run for several minutes on end uh, it's just kind of like uh, the question earlier about you know should I should I mute my call? Should I turn it down? All that type mm-hmm. of stuff. There's probably no right or wrong answer there. Um, you know, every coyote's different. Yep. And, uh, you know, just like I said, another thing I said earlier too is about you got to keep evolving your, your, your call sequences. So especially if you're hunting the same ground over and over, you definitely will be changing things up, whether you're running short burst, a minute long, like you was talking about, or you're letting it run for, 10 minutes yeah. you know there's 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 no set pattern that you've got to do there you just got to find that groove it's working for you to call coyotes and run with it well and i think andy is maybe similar i like to overthink things oh yeah that's what i do I would, it's easy to do and especially in the especially when you get deep down in the coyote hunting yeah it's easy to overthink things but at the same time they're a smart animal they're the smartest thing you'll hunt in the world I mean, I'm a firm believer that the coyote is the smartest critter you'll ever chase. So you do have to get to kill them year round. You have got to get a little technical with it. You yeah. really do. You're just in one of those areas and that has coyotes in every ditch and you've got all the ground in the world, you know, then it's different. And I've right. been in those type of places where you can about play anything and they'll come running in. You say, well, I'm going to call this one up to chickadee scratching its foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and you I don't know, even, you know some places you got to get real technical and got to watch everything you do to make sure you call in that call shot out. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even remember. I I know what happened. I was sitting on a a set in the winter time on one of our uh, tournaments we were in, and you know with the shock wave you can uh, do pre made lists yeah. playlist right. And I made myself one, and I think it was I did three minutes and then five minutes off. Three minutes, yep. five minutes off, and that's just what I picked. And I was uh-huh. in the middle of one of them, and it was a rabbit, uh, a rabbit in distress. Don't know what, but and about the fourth time that call started again in that three minute time, I'm like, that's annoying the shit out of me. And <laughs> I'm just a human, and I wonder if a coyote can tell. That just sounds like a damn tape plan now, you know. And right. then I started talking to andy about you think i should go shorter you know and i think you were already kind of doing shorter things and you know then you just start going well hell what am i gonna do yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, my one of my I'll most tell you successful what, days. You like through the through the summer months. I like a, a busier type call sequence. And what I mean by that, I like to have a lot of sound playing. Um, I will have pauses in my my call sequences through this time of year, but they'll be pretty short. You know, I want, I've, especially out there in your all's country and on into Kansas and in Wyoming where you got more open country, I've watched coyotes do this. You'll be playing a sound and watching a coyote come in and you pause it because that's what you do in your sequence. And that coyote will stop out there. Yep. Be looking around, sniffing, start your sound back up. Here he comes running. So you got all those spots that you call that you really that you can't see for a long distance. Say you can only see 100 yards, but there might be a coyote 600 yards inside that thicket or woodlot or next farm or whatever. You know, you could be muting your call and stopping it and have a coyote coming and he stops and look, wondering what happened to the sound. Yeah. Uh, so I think this time of year where they're so paternal and so, uh, territorial if i'm when i'm running my pup sounds i got a lot of pup sounds blaring through the air for minutes on end uh to get those coyotes to come on that's come good on to me. that's yeah. good to hear yeah because that's I, I feel like i'm like um i must not be very creative because i feel like this time of year all i ever hit is i'll try this pup distress i'm um, now another pup distress it just seems like that's what i end up going to because when it has worked that's usually what works what's coming is that and right. uh you know, I'm thinking of us. With those pup distress sounds, say like, so you got uh, the shockwave. Mm-hmm. When you purchased your shockwave, did you get it from Fox Pro and pick your own sounds or you just get the, the preloaded? I, I just, I stopped at a Bass Pro and grabbed one because I hated my other call <laughs> and I, I needed one. I guarantee you it's got pup distress number three on it. Oh, I, it does. Three. Yeah. I think the beauty of pup number three is, is it'll call in a coyote all 300 every single day of the year it don't matter you can use it right now you can use it new year's eve you can use it on april fool's day it don't matter you'll call coyote in with that that being said i've got a time frame where i like to save that sound file to use it right and that's usually that's usually about midway through august Uh, my favorite time to run that sound is second week of august through that end of september It's because it's kind of that sweet spot for for me when that sound works the best. And I don't want to wear that sound out early in the year, especially if I'm circling around to a particular farm that I might call a few times throughout the year. Yeah. I don't want to play that sound every single time I go in there. That makes sense. That kind of brings up another. um, How often are you re-hitting your spots? Do you wait a few weeks or – I've got some. I've got some properties I'll only call once a year. I've got some properties that I'll call sometime during the summer months, and then I'll circle back around and call it again in the fall or winter months. So I'll call it twice. Then I've got some properties that I can just keep going in. I can kill a coyote <laughs> or a pair of coyotes in there, and I can come in. Say I could go in there in April. Okay kill a pair of coyotes well i could go back in go back in that same property in july and kill another coyote or two and then go back in say in the fall like october when your yearling coyotes from that pair you just killed in july are now big enough where they're coming to a rabbit call real good mm-hmm. i'll go and kill a single double triple quad whatever it is Gosh. in october 
and then circle back around in January when the breeding season's coming on and kill another coyote or two. It all has to do with that holding capacity. Mm-hmm. There's some properties that just absolutely hold coyotes year round. You can kill two coyotes out of it. A few weeks later, two more coyotes are going to move in. Mm-hmm. Uh, some properties that you can kill one or two coyotes off of it that year, and there won't be another one in there until that following. Yeah, following summer or something. It's just That's how just it crazy is. How they work like that? The coyotes. I mean, there's certain, like you said, there's certain areas they'll just flock to, and then others that they just leave alone. They just don't. don't yeah. I live where I live at here in Kentucky. It's pretty, it's cattle country, but it's a lot of ridges and hollers. Like I live on a ridge. Mm-hmm. There's a holler over here to my left and another ridge. Well, there's a farm over I hunt every year, but I only hunt it during the summer. I'll kill one. I'll either kill a single coyote or a pair off of it every year. Okay. Well, on the other side of this ridge, there's another holler. There's another ridge over here. It's called Greasy Ridge. There's a particular farm over there that ain't but 60 acres. On that 60 acres last year, I killed eight coyotes. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Wow. Doing just what we were talking about. Went there and killed a double. Waited a couple months, went back in there and killed another double. And I think I killed two singles in a row. And they went back in a breeding season and killed another double. I've noticed on some of your – I mean, watch some, some of your shows, you see, like, you've done the same setups as different times of the year. And there's other places I never see you go, you know, for a long period of time. And then, again, like I said, the, you'll, you'll watch – four or five episodes and like wait a minute i'd recognize this farm yep. and, and yeah so that's pretty awesome do you and change usually that's, what it is. usually that's what it is and sometimes just like what you guys are running into right now I heard y'all talk about crop country we've got crops here too there's a lot of places i can't call right now right. Corn's too tight. yeah or shoulder high or soybeans or knee high right you know you can't call a coyote up in that kill it so. we, we on your setups that was just what i was getting ready to ask uh, Mike and I went up to one of his farms, he deer hunts, and we hunted it a couple months ago when, when the grass and all the hay fields was still pretty low. Yep. Well, then it got to the point where, you know, if you're walking through it almost chest high, how are you ever going to see a coyote? Right. You know, and then they, they recently cut it chest high for me. I jerk. know. <laughs> uh, Waist high for everybody else. <laughs> uh, you know, and then once they cut it again, do you, how, how do you change your setups in the summer? Will you still hunt a property that's got, let's say, tall grass or the beans are too tall? Will you try to hunt small areas, or do you pretty much just get out until you can you can see a while again? Well, you know, if there is a spot on that particular piece of property that you can get away with something like that, uh, if you can call them out of the beans into a – you got to have room to work a coyote, you know, right. no matter what. And if you call a coyote up and chest high grass for you, which might've been belt loop high for him, <laughs> you can't see the coyote. You can't kill it. Right. Right. So usually what I'll do is, is I'll just wait till that's either cut, you know, or, or what have you, you know, I don't want to go into a spot and make coyotes call shy, so to speak. And if I'm calling the coyotes and coyotes hear me, I want to kill them. Right. Yeah. I don't want don't to educate them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to educate them. So if it's if it's questionable about getting them killed, I'll usually wait until a time when I know I can kill them. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we're we're definitely starting to run into that with the oh, beans yeah. here are getting in a lot of places getting pretty decently tall. Yeah, the corn is definitely too tall now. Well, the uh, one the one we did last night that we had success with, we were in a cut wheat field. They just cut mm-hmm. it at the end of last week, 
And then he was in, this guy was in a, a cornfield when it first howled at us and came out to the edge of the wheat field and worked across it. Yeah. Uh, so we got lucky there. But speaking of killing, my, my next <laughs> question or rabbit hole, I guess, is I, I've watched you use a few different calibers here in the last oh, year or so. I think yep. 6.5 PRC and was it yep. 22 Creedmoor. Creedmoor. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite? <sighs> My favorite two calibers for coyote hunting are, I'll do three. How about that? Is Fair enough. Okay? Yeah. It works. <laughs> nope, nope. Those are My- against, against the rules. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to go with three. No, go with three. <laughs> My holy grail, I guess, of coyote hunting. My top three lists would be the 22, 250, 243, and 22 Creedmoor. Okay. Um, there's you can kill them with anything. Right. Uh, but those, those three calibers will always be in the top five coyote calibers, no matter what comes out over the next thousand years. I don't care. Give me a 22, 250, 243 or 22 Creedmoor. And I will not complain. <laughs> now you 6.5 PRC. The reason you've been seeing us use that is I actually had that gun built, mm-hmm. uh, for a big game rifle. Okay. Okay. But, uh, the thing is what better way to get used to a rifle. Absolutely. Than go coyotes with it. Right. Live target. If I can burn burn coyotes up with it from point blank range, all the way out to four fifty, and shoot them at 150 yards running and all that kind of stuff. I shouldn't have no problem shooting a buck at 85 yards with it. Right. No doubt. Yeah. Shouldn't. So it's kind of one of those things just getting trigger time in with that PRC just to get really used to it. So that's the reason I'm using it. I would never tell anybody how hey, you got to go get a 6.5 PRC to kill coyotes. Right. I'm going to um, use my 300 wind mag. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Well, that's, that's, the beauty, that's the beauty of coyote hunting. You can use whatever you want. Yep. The thing is, you don't have to use those big kicking guns. You can use a 223, 22, or whatever and kill every coyote that's ever walked. Yeah, yeah, nowadays it's just you try to kill them with whatever ammo you can find. <laughs> it's, it's not the gun. It's whatever ammo you can get a hold Dude, of. It, it's crazy, ain't it? It, it is. is. That's exactly right. But 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 for sure, I probably killed more coyotes with a twenty two two fifty than any other caliber. Fair enough. That's good to know. That's the the next one I'd like to buy is yeah. the And I was going to go 243. So. Yeah, and I just got one of them for – now, truth be told, it's my son's deer gun that I bought him, but – Convenient. Uh, the youth model fits Nate. We it's not know. a youth model. You know that. <laughs> God, jerk. Uh, but I think I'm just going to cite the damn thing in for a deer hunting for him and then just use that to hunt coyotes. Yeah. Not a thing. Not a thing wrong with that. I mean, it, like I said, I've killed him with a lot of stuff. And uh, But, yeah, for sure, 22, 250. You hear a lot of craze about different calibers. You know, 22 Creedmoor, really hot. I can – the thing with a 22 Creedmoor versus a 22 250, <clears throat> of course, it, what it is is a 6.5 Creedmoor, which everybody knows about, mm-hmm. neck down to a 22 caliber. Okay. Um, I get, it's a fast, it's a fast twist gun. It's like a one and seven twist. So I'm shooting like 75 and 80 grain bullets. So what I'm doing is I'm shooting an 80 grain bullet out of that 22 Creedmoor, about just as fast as I'm shooting a 55 grain bullet out of a 22 250. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing is, at 150, say 80 to 150 yards, that coyote don't know if he's been hit with a 55 grain bullet out of a 22 250 or an 80 grain out of a 22 Creedmoor. He's toast. He's just dead. Yeah. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. Is there a certain type of ammo that you find you like better? 
as far as using just some type of soft point or something like that or um it all depends on me especially different calibers and even different twist rates with with calibers most of your 22 250s are chambered or bar- the barrels are either one and 12s or one and 14s yeah. uh twist and uh I'm actually, my 22 250 is a Hager custom rifle and it's got a one and eight twist. It's got a really fast twist. So my bullets, I'm still shooting a 55 grain bullet like you would with a one and 12 or one and 14. I'm not trying to get too technical here. I'm just, I like it. I, yeah. But uh, what happens is, <clears throat> is my rifle, the one and eight is shooting at 55 grain bullet and it has more RPMs. The bullet is spinning, spinning more mm-hmm. than it is with a one and 14. And uh, I've never tested this on ballistic gelatin or nothing like that, but I'm here to tell you it kills quicker. Hmm. My one and eight 250 with a 55 grain nozzle ballistic tip, the orange tip, not mm. the black tip, <laughs> will kill a coyote faster with that bullet than somebody else's one and 14 twist and a 22 250 with the same ammo will. Yeah. And I've shot them all. I mean, I've I still own a one and fourteen twist twenty two two fifty. I'm talking about. I bet I've killed over a thousand coyotes with a twenty two two fifty. So it's not like I've killed like three or four and try to make this judgment. Right. It's just like experience in the field watching them die. You uh, yeah. you want to get rid of that one and fourteen twist? twist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would if my dad had to give it to me. So I'll probably never even shoot it again. Well, and I, I mean, I think it's a lot of times what the rifle likes. I mean, you know, my brother-in-law's big into ammo and oh, yeah. reloading and loading, and he'll have one gun that he's like, "Hey, this thing loves these Hornadays, uh, but then this one doesn't like them. It it likes these federal, these these yeah. federal whatever you know whatever he's using, and." Right. uh I mean, sometimes it's just some guns don't don't seem to like a certain round or a certain, well, you know. You know, I'm all I'm all about killing performance on a coyote, mm-hmm. on game performance, so to speak. You know, if you got if you're shooting a, a a cartridge, you know, whatever ammo selection it is, and then shooting these little bo quarter inch jagged hole one hole groups, if every coyote you're shooting with it even if you're smoking them, if they're hopping and flopping up and down and spinning and running 50 yards every time you shoot them, who cares how tight of a group it is? You find something else that's shooting at twice the size, which is a half-inch group, which is still dead nuts, right? right. But every cow you shoot with it, the cow just dead like God threw a boat of lightning at it. <laughs> dead. You're done. You know, I'm wanting to shoot that instead of the quarter-inch Right. that coyote running off every time i want them to drop so you know you just got to find that groove what's i, I just want to tell you a 55 grain bullet a nozzle ballistic tip orange tip out of 22 250 will kill every coyote that's ever walked and they probably won't even flicker their tail out of a 243 uh you can take either a 80 grain burger flat base hollow point or the same thing the 80 grain nozzle ballistic tip the purple tip not the black tip. It'll do the same thing. Uh, say the 204, the 204 Ruger. A lot of your factory rounds, and that's 32, 32. grain V Max, 40 grain V Max. I think the 39 grain Blitz King, I go on and on. The best coyote killing bullet ever, in my opinion, out of the 204 Ruger, which you have to reload it, is the 35 grain flat base hollow point from Burger. Hmm. It turns it into a total different animal. It kills so much better. 
than the plastic tip bullets out of a 204. But I don't, I won't use the same type of bullet out of the 22, 250. You know, it's just, right. you know, there might be one of them that kills real good. I just didn't try it yet. So in your general rule of thumb. Oh, no, 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 no. Not yet. You don't oh, get this. Okay. You don't get this. We, we <laughs> I, I need to let him keep going to the 223. What's your favorite on the 223? Oh, man. I've had more coyotes run off from the 223. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. Um, I've seen a lot of coyotes run off from the 223. I guess the bullet that I shot the most that I thought felt like I had the best luck with out of a 223 uh, was a was a uh, Sierra fifty three grain match king as a match bullet. Mm-hmm. For some reason it killed good for us. Uh, when I was using the fifty five grain nozzles, the fifty five grain Hornady's, all that stuff. I mean, I kill a lot of coyotes with it, but I would have those spinners and runners, and would lose coyotes from time to time. Um, started shooting twenty two two fifty and changed my life so <laughs> so mike and i currently are shooting ars that's our setups yeah. i mean mostly because it's what we our have wives might kill us if we try to get something else but uh i'm either gonna hurry up and sight my gun my son's deer gun in and get that ready to go or since you said you can't sell your dad's uh 22 22 250 you said you got that one and eight twist you just sell that to me and then i'm i'm set up right <laughs> i'm trying to get you to give me a gun john is what i'm trying to get <laughs> there's nothing wrong with shooting a 223 i know some of the best coyote hunters yeah in the world that's ever done it that still shoot 223s to this day we, and, uh, we haven't had I, problems yet uh but you know we haven't the, killed as many as giving, you yeah. giving nate the gun i mean the bullet can kill it, but you still have to hit it with the bullet. That's problem. Nate. Sure, right. you got to contact. hit it with the bullet. Got to yeah, make contact. That that's that's yeah. key. That makes sense. <laughs> and, that, and that being said, somebody might listen and say, "Well, man, I'm I'm going to build me a two twenty two two fifty with a one and eight twist barrel, and I'm buying that fifty five. <laughs> you can go shoot your first coyote and absolutely drill it, and the sucker might run on you. Right. right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I've seen you talking about shooting with a three hundred wind mag. I've seen them shot with a three hundred wind mag and run. Yep. Jeez. We shot one other day. We shot one other day with that six point five PRC that ran. Um mm. the video we'll be putting out Thursday, we shoot one at like hundred and sixty yards and, and right behind the shoulder it was a double long shot and the sucker packed it. He ran. That's we crazy. Found him. He didn't get out of sight, but you know, they're tough animals. Absolutely. You know. Oh, definitely not, I mean they don't want to they don't want to die. Whatever you can shoot best and you you have a lot of confidence in. That's what I think you need to be shooting. I had a buddy, so I don't know if you probably know this, but uh, night hunting became legal with, uh, um, oh my gosh, infrared and stuff like that in Missouri um, from certain dates to certain dates in the winter. This this year was the first year for it. And I had a buddy that went, and he was videotaping what happened. And uh, they (laughs) shot this coyote, and the, the shot wasn't great, and they hit it in the face. And uh, it sat there, and on the video, you could just see blood pouring out of its face, and it's yeah. sitting there trying to bite it and stumbling. Right. Enough blood was pumping out of that dog that it was going to die. And it's sitting right. there just trying not to die, finally falls over, gets up after a couple more, uh, you know, t- a minute, gets up again, tries doing something else, and then finally dies. I mean, right. you know, they don't want to die. Their their will to live is just like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now you can say what you okay. want to say. General rule of thumb, <laughs> your your sm- your smaller twist rates, like your one and eight versus your one and you know, fourteen, 
the one in like eight, do you find that it handles lighter bullets better? And like your one in 14 would handle, handle heavier bullets better? Well, usually, usually your, your faster yeah. twists, your, say, let's go back to the 22, 250. Like I said, a lot of them's one in 12s and one in 14s from the factory. There is some one in nines and one in tens. But um, generally, with that, you're one in 14, so to speak. You're shooting 55 grain bullets and lighter. Okay. It right. likes lighter. Oh, okay. So I have backwards. Um, yeah. So your faster stuff, your one in eights and one in nines, you can shoot your heavier bullets, your longer your longer bullets, your longer, but it, mm-hmm. what it has to come down to is what it's stabilizing. Usually you have to have a faster twist barrel. Right. Mm-hmm. They have one and eight to stabilize a that longer heavier heavy bullet. bullet. Yeah, that makes sense. So like with, with my one and eight, 22, 250, I've shot everything from a 55 grain all the way up to an 80 grain. Right. Like, you know, shoot them all just fine. But with your one and 14, you try to shove a 80 grain bullet down through it. Who knows what to it be tumbling through the air and <laughs> just won't, it just won't stabilize. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So, so that- I, I originally I originally built that gun to shoot heavier stuff. And then just out of trying, you know, running out of heavier bullets, I had some fifty five grain bullets to load up just go. to see if it shoot it. And lo and behold, that's what I started using out of it. Yeah. You know, just out of just out of experimenting, yeah. so nice. to speak. That might have been one of the biggest rabbit holes we've ever went down on this show. Uh, I feel it's relevant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's definitely relevant, but it, it was a big one. Oh, you, you get me talking about guns and calibers <laughs> watching coyotes drop and stuff. We can talk about this for a couple of days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I wanted to circle back around. I wrote down a question right at the beginning when Micah talked about the five dogs you had come in on a show he watched. Yep. When you have multiples come in, especially – when they're more than a double, let's say, I mean, that's, yep. that's still multiples, but you know, if you're with a buddy hunting and you got a double coming in, that's easy. Yeah. Hey, you get the one on the left, you get the one right. on the right. All right, let's do that. How do you handle multiples when you're, let's say it's just two of you hunting or whatever. What mm. do you all typically do to try to create as much death as possible? Let's say. Well, you know, probably the, you know, that's a pretty tough question. And it's another one. A lot of variables. A lot of variables, and there's really not a right or wrong. It's uh, kind of got to do what works best for you. You'll hear say like we'll stick to the double, okay? A pair of coats come in. You'll hear people talk about trying to shoot that back coat, the furthest coat away. That way, you knock it down. You got a better chance to pick up that closer coat for to pick up the double, right? Sure. You also hear people talk about. If you call in a pair of cows, try to shoot the small one because it's more more likely to be the female, female. and it's easier to get the male to stop or, or call him back. And that is true. Uh, a lot of times if you shoot – and sometimes I'll try, I'll try to do that more than I would shoot the furthest cow back, okay? Mm-hmm. The thing is that I have learned, and it is true, um, it is easier to stop a male cow if you drop the female. Uh, especially certain types of years, say like in February when they're breeding, made it up, that that coyote's probably going to stop for a good shot or you're going to be able to call him back in. Now, them female coyotes, they ain't very loyal. You shoot that male, <laughs> turn off to the next counter. But usually, for the most part, what I'm trying to do is read body language, okay, yeah. with those coyotes. If you got one that's pretty hesitant about coming in, the only reason it's coming is because its partner is, I'll try to kill that other coyote first. 
because I know when I shoot that aggressive coyote, that one is timid and not really wanting to come is gone. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to shoot that coyote first if I can get a good solid shot opportunity. And that leads right into another thing. Usually nine times out of 10 when multiples come in, I'm going to take, I'm going to make sure I get a coyote down. Okay. So I'll take that number one, most 100%. I know I can get this coyote killed, kill it dead and then worry about the others trying to pick up, pick up other coyotes. And like that, that video you guys were talking about of the five, I probably could have handled that a little bit better. Uh, we actually cut part of that video. We actually called one coyote back up, but he was in behind some, some trees was on that other hillside and we almost killed a triple, but it made that video long. So we cut it out, but I should have killed. If I'd have shot a different coyote right there, if I'd have been on my A game, we should have killed a triple out of that bunch. Uh, not saying I was disappointed in the stand, <laughs> but you know, when you call in five coyotes, you'll hear people talk about it all the time. Now I've even done this call five, six, seven coyotes up in one wad. And then they, you know, talk about how awesome it was. Yeah, we called in seven coyotes, but uh, only killed one. Educated six, yeah. Man, that ain't good. <laughs> it's not good. You know, no matter what, if I'm calling in multiples, whether it be a pair, a triple, or one of those big family groups where it's five, six, seven, even when that smoke clears, I want to see multiples laying on the ground. And you just got to kind of figure out what works best for you. One big thing that I try to tell people in the seminars, I actually, it'll be, a segment that you know and that kind of just talking about it off the cuff off the fly i'll miss some stuff but usually i'll have slides and stuff and show video and experiences that i've had that, that makes me pick up those doubles triples and quads yeah one of the big things i always talk about is not shoot at a running coyote now i'll say that and you'll go watch some of our videos and you'll see me shoot a running coyote right so yeah. i mean it's not like you don't there's exceptions to every rule yeah, there is for sure. But one of the big things about picking up multiples is I try not to shoot at a running coyote because I feel like I've got a better chance of killing that second or third coyote from either getting it to stop for a solid shot opportunity or letting it go off and changing sounds and then it running back in and me getting a good shot opportunity. I feel, I feel like I've got a better chance to kill that second or third coyote with a good solid stopped perfect shot than trying to shoot at it burning out at 40 miles an hour yeah at, yeah at an angle that a physics major has to get exactly right <laughs> and still get lucky with how he squeezes the trigger and follows through and you know what i mean it's just it takes a lot of skill to kill those coyotes on the run and i know some people it's really fantastic at it and i know here comes the dogs <laughs> hey we made it almost to the end of the show right <laughs> but uh Yes, yeah, that's, that's the big thing is is I want I want... well the dogs messed everything up just now. <laughs> didn't they? Oh, there oh there he is. Say that again. That's you said that's the big thing you want. What? <clears throat> is I want solid shot opportunity. Double, double, triple, quad, no matter what. Uh I think it'll pick up more more doubles and triples than anything is waiting on a solid shot opportunity, whether they're trying to get a coyote to stop or call it back in versus trying to shoot at them running off. Yeah. And then uh, one last thing, you got something up too. I was going to ask if, if he feels like shooting suppressed helps with doubles. Um, I think it does. It, it's kind of one of those things like we was talking about earlier. We was talking about the fawns and stuff like that. It definitely does not hurt. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, that being said, I was killing doubles and triples and quads before I had a suppressor. Right. But there has been a handful of situations where I think that a suppressor definitely helped me pick up that double or triple, especially like if I, say, killed a coyote and then kept calling, and then after a minute, another coyote runs up from the same exact spot I killed the first one from. Yeah. Did he – not hear the shot or you know was it too faint that he couldn't tell or what so i do think suppressors can definitely help you plus it's a lot easier on my ears yeah um and one thing that we've kind of noticed as we've gotten more serious into coyote hunting too when you're talking about your shots and making the most of it uh i think plus i i especially i know they like to give me a hard time but um the biggest thing i noticed is I finally started feeling comfortable shooting when I finally went and purchased a tripod. Yeah. Having you a nice have solid base. You know, I started with, what the hell was I using at first? <laughs> oh, Church I was shit, using, buddy. um, no, it was, and now thanks to Russell for making, making them for oh, me, right. but we were, I was using two arrows, bow and arrows, yep. arrows <laughs> with a rubber band tied around them as, as my shooting sticks. And then I went and bought, shooting sticks just you know 25 dollar pair of shooting sticks that popped out and you know you sat on them and then i don't even remember if i tried something else I think that was it. Then and then i finally spent money and got a nice tripod and right. the first time i used it was actually on my back porch in my underwear um <laughs> one morning my wife wakes me up so there's a coyote in the backfield and i went out and uh standing up set it up saw the dog Blasted it off and it dropped it. Traumatized and children. You you felt well. They were watching out the window. <laughs> they were, um, and then you they can get, definitely tell. It did, and it. I mean, and I've I've dropped two more out of my back porch, um, and I also found out different things about my gun that I'm not going to try to take a 300 plus yard shot with that damn thing because well, even feeling really good that AR and my scope setup, it just I'm not going to hit a coyote very well past 250 i don't think no you know your limits and that and that's another thing just like talking about all that stuff that's another part of the the, like the seminars i do uh i will cover commonly asked questions and probably the number one of the number one questions i always get a guy will message me on you know facebook or instagram or wherever and he'll say man how can i kill more coyotes the easiest answer for that, how, how a person can kill more coyotes, is to hit every single coyote that you shoot at. Yeah. And that comes to do with being firearm, having solid rest, you know, the list goes on and on. So, yeah. you know, definitely so, definitely come up with a shooting platform that you're confident in and, and practice practice with it. So circling back around, this is kind of the question I was getting at. You've got your, your necessities when you're coyote hunting. You've got you have to have some sort of calling sequence or way device, to call the coyotes device. unless you just sit there and wait till they walk by, I guess, maybe. But And you got to have a gun. So we're not talking about them. But if you, could, if you could say three things that a new coyote hunter really should go out and, and get, uh, three extras, I guess you'd call it, would a tripod or some sort of solid shooting base be one of the three? And then what maybe would be your other two? That is something that you really oh, like using. Besides a rifle and a call? Is that what the, yeah. what's the question? Yeah. 
definitely definitely shooting sticks i i run swagger bipods i run two different models i run the qd 42s and the 142s they're solid and they're extremely versatile so no matter what kind of country i'm hunting in they're going to work wherever i'm at um you can't if you can't hit a coyote you can't kill it and a lot of times you need a solid dress it's just like you know you was talking about you like if it's 250 yards in you're going to shoot at it right with your setup well what happens if you call a coyote in at 300 yards i ain't gonna hit him andy might <laughs> what but what would you need to do different to make you where you can kill coyotes at 300 yards you a know? different gun with a different scope <laughs> there you go or hey, shoot hey honey or shoot your gun more often to no, figure it out farther with a one and eight scope there ain't i i mean not to get too deep in the weeds on you john but on a 350 yard shot, I'm sh- I got a one and eight scope on this this AR that I, I shoot, yep, and yep. it and the reticle on it is a diamond with a dot in the middle. And yep. when I when I'm at it at 350 yards and I've got it all the way up at eight power, it looks like a dot on the entire body. Yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm on his top of his back or right. on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I totally un- totally understand. Yep. So. John, get back you, on time. you can tell him to quit being a tight ass and go buy a better scope. So you can tell him. Well, I heard him get to hollering at his woman there. I guess. When he <laughs> Problem is, I spent a lot of money on a scope for deer hunting, and then I bought my son a gun, and uh, yeah. I got to pick my I, battles. You got to get those youngins out there. So ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but now for sure, for sure, some type of shooting platform, far as sticks, whatever goes. Like I said, I I'm a big fan of Swagger bipods that. So some type of shooting platform is definitely definitely key besides for your gun and your call. And then the other one would be, and anybody can pick it, something that keeps you comfortable, whether it be some type of clothing that keeps you out in the field longer and comfortable or, say, something like some type of seat. Uh, a lot of times we've got to, you know, I'm a daytime caller, so I'm calling in the daytime. I'm not one of those guys that's going to be standing out in the middle of a field standing up with a gun on a tripod out in the middle of everything so i'm usually sitting next to the brush or a tree or something like that so we got to start where we're using these these chairs that just sit like three foot off the ground um that's become one of those things that's become a necessity for me because it keeps my butt dry that keeps me up a little bit of elevation where i can see better mm-hmm. um i got them at the right height where i can get my elbows down on my knees with my gun out there on my bipod for good solid shots you know i feel comfortable shooting from right up in my face and i'll shoot we'll kill coyotes at 400 plus every year uh so that is uh just goes right back to you know that thing about if you want to kill more coyotes you gotta hit every coyote you shoot at so True. that would be the two key things besides for your rifle on your call is is some type of bipod tripod or whatever whatever works best for you for to help you make your shots and like i said something else that keeps you comfortable in the field and for me that is uh that is those chairs we've started shooting uh, hunting off of yeah i think all three of us have made that switch uh in the past probably four months we went from sitting on the ground to we sit you know now there's some there's a little some, bit up there's still a lot of stands that i'll get in there I, that i know that i'm not going to sit in that chair there's still a lot of times i'm sitting directly on the ground but uh we pack a chair with us a lot now yeah awesome you fellas got i mean we we're at a uh i could ask him questions all oh day, yeah all night know, long so I, yeah. yeah 
We'll yeah. give him his time back here. We'll, we'll let him have his time. I, I went over I what I, I – Hopefully I'm not bored y'all to death. <laughs> oh, no. no. Like Andy said, we could probably make this episode about five hours long if you really wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> but we got sheets of notes already. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've been writing stuff down. Pup distress three. Coyote pup well, three one four. You just go ahead and throw a disclaimer out there. I mean, you know, I have people message me all the time. Man, I try this one thing you do all the time. You make it look so easy. I try it and I don't kill nothing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's just well the stuff that I do might not work <laughs> yep. for everybody else. You know what I mean? So That's... a lot of my stuff is opinion. It's just come out of experience from being out there in the field and uh I feel like it works for me. Yeah. And hopefully it can, if, if one person listens to this podcast or one of you three, just one person goes away from this and helps them kill one extra coyote this season, I think we did all right. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Now, if our one and only listener gets something out of it. <laughs> what if the one and only mm-hmm. listener is us? Right. Yeah. Uh, hey, long, long as one of us kills extra cow. <laughs> I promised we was going to get off, but I, I got one more question for you because I, I, I kind of know the answer to it, but I, I want to hear it from you. I've struggled with turning it on and off on my call. Do you use your Fox Bang? Well, I'll tell you, I used to. I used to use it a lot, uh-huh. but um, do you do you shoot suppressed? I don't. I'll tell you something interesting. If you shoot suppressed, the suppressor won't let the, the fox bang won't go off. It doesn't realize it's there, huh? It'll pick it up. So I keep mine turned off now because it's not going to go off when the rifle goes off. So uh, that way it keeps. It can be an excellent excellent tool, you know, especially like we were talking about calling in multiple you got set up on a pup distress or something like that you shoot it automatically goes to pup screams or pup three that other coyote stops and you get it killed now with me i keep it turned off just because it's not going to go off when i shoot because i'm shooting suppressed um and and you always run into that situation where you could bang your remote against something and it goes off and yep. you don't want it to. Uh, so i keep it stops that from happening. Like I said, it ain't going to go off anyway with me shooting suppressed. But I do like Foxbang. I think it's a great, uh, it's a it's a great addition on those calls. That's, it does I, have its place. I really want to use it, but I've <clears throat> accidentally set it off now half a dozen times yeah. by you know setting it on my bag or whatever. And I, or I would I, they use it? I think they have three different settings. Yeah, I yeah. go in and put it on the heaviest setting it's got. Yeah, which I need to do some more reading because with that, it's a little confusing. It it almost, I think, is the opposite of what you think it would be. Yeah, but uh, I was curious on what you do since you're running a Fox Pro 2. Oh, I would I would definitely, I think it's really good. Uh, like I said, I would put it on a heavier setting where it takes more volume or more of a vibration to set it off uh, than the lighter setting. Yeah, for sure. That, that works for you. But you can turn it off, and you know I'm still running the same sounds after a shot. Y'all fixing it? Look at the dog here. <laughs> <laughs> I still will hit the same. You know I'm just got used to reaching down and hit my presets or whatever to go to the sound I want to try to get those coyotes stopped or called back in that I would have had set on Foxbang. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's and that's what I'm doing. It's just a preset now. But well, Felders, you got anything else for John before we stop bothering him? Man, I, no, I better let him go. <laughs> All right, we, we will. John, we appreciate you coming on uh, and talking about summer coyote hunting and, and even getting into just basic coyote hunting at that point, talking about guns. Talking about it all, yeah. Thanks. Hey, we'll come back on the time. We'll talk about 
uh, Colin Bobcats. I know you all got some good oh, Bobcats. Yeah. Shit, I don't want to talk to him yeah. about Bobcats. Hey, ask Nate about Bobcats. Hey, he goes, yeah, no, don't ask me about Bobcats. That'll hey, be a different. That'll be a different podcast. That was the beginning of me learning that I need to have some solid platform under my gun, or I'm not going to hit what I'm shooting at. <laughs> little bitty targets. Yeah, little bitty targets, and Nate can't hit him at 20 yards apparently with an open. Uh, oh man, it was it was a bad day. Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk. <laughs> but uh, John Collins, thanks for coming on, man, and. Um, We'll uh we'll let you go if uh, you don't have anything else. If anybody hasn't checked out his show, Tooth and Claw, make oh, yeah. sure you get on there. Yeah. Uh, where give us uh, kind of your social media stuff for Tooth and Claw there, and and any other ones sure. you want. Watch you can watch Tooth and Claw TV, of course, on YouTube at Wired Outdoors TV and Tooth and Claw TV. That's on YouTube. You can watch it on Tooth and Claw TV on Roku, Tooth and Claw TV on Amazon Prime, Waypoint TV, any anywhere where there's a streaming platform. You can watch it. It's been watched over 20 million times a year. You might as well watch it too. Absolutely. Guys, really appreciate talking to all three of you. And again, as far as the social stuff goes, Instagram is John underscore Collins three. I'm even on TikTok. You don't <laughs> oh, see no dancing shoot. on TikTok. You just see a bunch of coyotes running. <laughs> there you you just go. find us anywhere. Anywhere there can be some video put up, you'll find us there. But guys, I really appreciate you all having me on here. Really enjoy talking to all three of you. Awesome, all right man, man. Thank thanks john. john thank you i feel like i mean that show i i could talk to to john forever there i don't know i'm i'm ate up with the coyote hunting bug at the moment so Dude, and it it got me fired up i mean we've been talking about trying to go up north again to do yeah. it and i we don't know if it's going to happen it's probably not just because everybody's schedule is crazy but yeah, i'd like to be able to go with you guys i mean just it sounds like beautiful country first of all just beautiful country to go yeah. see up there well it but. might just be me and you because it sounds like nathan's going to be gone for the next two weeks or whatever so maybe we can I uh, am. get a day i'm Sneak going on vacation yeah so i ain't i mean you can't be mad at us you get to go we got to try out some of the things i, I was going to be mad yeah. at you no yeah no I, i'd be happy right, for I, you. I don't care if you're mad at me or not i know i know <laughs> Yeah, we might have to try that next few weeks. Yeah. See if we can get up there. Yeah, we we could have. I mean, I hope everybody really enjoyed that. John, super knowledgeable. I mean, I feel like come the fall, even yes, this was more spring summer coyotes, but mm-hmm. come the fall, I think I can. I'm going to go back and re-listen to this because he said a lot of relevant, just general stuff as well. I feel like yeah. about about the topics. So I don't know. I appreciate John. Honestly, I feel like he gave us a bunch of spilled the secrets on here. I mean, just. He's talking specific calls. He was talking sequences, set times. Yeah. He gave us everything. Yeah. But, I mean, like he said in the show, it's specific. I mean, hell, we've had days where we've been hunting the same day, and we were on fire, you were cold. Right. Or Just you 20, were on fire, 20 miles we apart from well, each other. Well, you know? we did that, that one uh, Movets tournament, and you guys, I don't know, got – I don't know how many of you guys got down three maybe, but you guys yeah, seen so. a bunch that day, just didn't right, get killed. Right, And then we seen one. We called in one, yeah, and then you flip it to a tournament later, and then we ended up killing what was it, six, five or six, something like that, yeah. And I even told you exactly what I was doing, and on your side of the county, it wasn't working. So yeah. it is one of those things that it's just it's hit or miss. I mean, it's just part of it. Yeah, that's that's coyote hunting. I think that's why a lot of people like it. Speaking of hit or miss, I apologize. Bringing up the bobcat, I know for our listeners of listening to you know, previous episodes, Nate had a little struggle with that, but. Hey, do you know what happens when you kill a bunch of bobcats or cats and put them in a pile? What's it called? What's it called? You pile a bunch of cats. What's a pile of bunch of cats? Yeah. Is this your dad joke for the week? It might be. <laughs> what is a, a pile of a bunch of cats? Meowton. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Meowton.
Well, there you, know, you go, you know, folks. Do you, do you know how a farmer adds them up? His calculator. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, listen. Li- hey, y'all, listen closely. Did you hear our last two listeners? Log <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you can hear us dying slowly. <laughs> if you listen closely, you can hear Nate stopping the podcast, <laughs> watching the ratings drop. <laughs> Uh, those are good. You gave us two this week. Yeah. I, I had make up for. I don't think I had one last week. Uh, who knows? Um, but yeah, hope everybody enjoyed that show. Lots to go on. I would not be surprised if we don't have John back again to talk about some stuff. Cause yeah, maybe once we get into our you know calling season where we mm-hmm. really start hitting it hard, maybe have him on again if just for can, a refresher course. If we can get him out of the <laughs> out of the coyote fields. Yeah, 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 for sure. Or even on in, on a stand if he can whisper. Yeah, just put him go go. Podcast live with him or something? Podcast live. I like Does that it. work? Can we do that? I don't. Has there ever been a podcast done live while you're hunting? Yeah. There um, has? has? I don't know. Do they call it <laughs> a podcast? I mean, if you're just live while you're hunting? I mean, that's true. Don't they call that radio? No, I mean, <laughs> you're like, like, does that count as live if you're recording while the hunt's up. going on? <laughs> he's, he's mic'd up for the <laughs> yeah, hunt. No, no kidding. I don't know why the hell we're talking about this right now. Don't matter. Uh, it's late. It, it It's how it goes. All right. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you fellas later.